Welcome to Embedded Insiders. I'm Laura Dolan. I'm here with my colleagues Brandon Lewis, Rich Nass, and Alex Pulse. And uh, we've had a very exciting week last week. Um, we were all at our respective conferences. Rich, Brandon, and I were attending the Embedded Technologies Conference. And Alex was at his own conference dealing with sensors. I do think it's interesting that there were sensor events going on at exactly the same time in both continents because the Nuremberg event was from the 25th through the 27th. Yeah, the exact date is ours. Yep, and uh, we were out at Sensors Expo. But uh, before we sort of dive into the sensor side of things, uh, there was a new element to Sensors Expo this year. It was a conference that was co-located named the Embedded Technologies Conference. Uh, Rich, do you want to give the listeners a little rundown of what ETC was? I'd be happy to. And uh, many people would say it actually dominated the event. Uh, Sensors Expo was tucked away in a corner somewhere and the Embedded Technologies <laughs> event took over. I'm, I'm actually joking. But uh, it was a pretty successful event. It, it was... Uh, same time, same place as sensors. It's a partner event. We we did it um, as a partner to the QuestX folks who run Sensors Expo. And we talked about um, things that are related to sensors, but certainly didn't overlap in any way with what they do. Um, so we looked at things like AI and machine learning. We talked about some automotive stuff. We even did a lot of general coding things. We had John Labrosk from Silicon Labs come in and talk about how you do C and C++ coding, um, how you deal with real-time operating systems, and that's pretty cool stuff. It's a little bit on the one-on-one level, but um, the attendees really appreciated that we offered that sort of stuff. Even people who are a little bit more advanced always need those refreshers. And then there were some folks on the uh, the show floor who are really what, what you call traditional embedded people, the operating systems folks, the people who do boards and systems. So it sort of had a feel like the old embedded systems conference, just with uh, a, a dash of 2020 thrown into it. Speaking of a dash of 2020, one of the uh, cooler uh, tracks that was, that was at the conference, the embedded technologies conference side, not the trade show side, um, dealt with Python. And Python is... Uh, Definitely a language that is growing in popularity. Um, it has been for a while now. I know this isn't news to anybody. Um, but as we see more and more um, enterprise-type, you know, mobile-type developers wanting to uh, develop applications for embedded systems, it's important that um, embedded developers, and on, from the other angle, uh, understand what Python is and uh, how it can be applied in an embedded systems context. So, yes, definitely a dash of 2020 there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm not amazed by the increased use of Python. I've, I've accepted it. Um, and it is definitely mainstream now, where a few years ago, it would seem like it, you had to be under 20 years old to be doing Python. But I guess those 20-year-olds are, are now in and out of college. And, and it's, it is definitely mainstream. Uh, if you talk to any of the CPU guys, any of the OS guys, they are all working on it for sure. Do you think that this expansion into the embedded space at sensors is a response to the fact that sensor be, sensors are becoming more ubiquitous in embedded systems, or do you think it's an industry response to the fact that there's still no strong embedded show in the United States at this point? Well, it's definitely a combination. Let me tackle the first one first. Um, if you look at all the IoT stuff, all the sensors live out at the edge, and depending on how you define the edge, you know they are out there in the things. 
um, and, and you have to report back to something, and what you're reporting back to is the embedded systems. That's where you're gathering all the data and doing your analytics. So it certainly goes hand in hand. Uh, the, the latter part of your question, if, if, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said to me, why isn't there an embedded systems show in the U.S. like there is in Germany, I wouldn't have to work anymore. Um, hopefully this is the one that actually catches on. Um, you know, we, we think we're off to a good start. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, sensors are a good jumping off point because of the ubiquitous aspect. I do think you have a point there. I, I think uh, that if, if it's going to succeed, that's probably one of the best chances it will. Yep. Hope so. And even um, sort of following on to your first point, Rich, even at the sensor node, um, there are elements, obviously, of an embedded system there if you're talking at the far, far edge. Um, you know, sensor in and of itself isn't is just a, a mechanism for taking some analog value and, and converting it into uh, some digital format in most cases. Um, you still need to be able to transmit that information somehow, probably do a little bit of pre-processing out there. So embedded systems and sensors are sort of a match made in heaven. Um, and and I as you well know, that sensor itself certainly could be an embedded system unto itself with the amount of processing that's done out at the edge. Exactly. This is true. The sensors are getting smarter and smarter. Yep. Speaking of that, Alex, uh, you were at uh, Sensors and Test. Uh, can you give us a rundown of what happened there? Well, you know, it is a different focus. A little, I mean, obviously both shows focus on sensors, but uh, the Sensors and Test was very much applied sensors. Test your concrete bridge for failing. Uh, let's have a um, sensors on this wind turbine for fatigue measurement. Um, and of course, let's put some sensors on the industrial process line or in the robotics. But there was a lot of environmental sensing in, at the show. There was a lot of um, aspect of, of operating system sensing. Not, you know, not the traditional. Okay, I've got an arm and I've got an eye so that it could pick up the bottles of material and move it from conveyor belt A to B. You know, we, we, I was seeing, in fact, one company had their booth specifically about environmental sensing, but I'm going to tease you to look at my report about that later uh, in the week on that. But um, the fact that it was very applied sensing was very heartening because it really showed the applications that being enabled as opposed to just companies showing off how cool their sensors were. What were some of the applications you saw? Well, um, for example, uh, there were. Let me let me just go straight to uh, some of the stuff that we've got. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting in it, the, one of the few test companies, pure test companies that was at the event was Teledyne Lacroix. They had um, with one of their partners a new arbitrary waveform generator, and a lot of people, you know take that kind of test equipment in passing, you know, in stride, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, of course we need these new test devices. They're really expensive and all of that other. But the other side of that coin is these devices need to be extremely sophisticated because they have to be more accurate and faster than the systems they're testing. I mean, it's almost like it, uh, Lewis Carroll's The Red, Red Queen's Race, running as fast as you can to stay in the same place. Um, Teledyne can't rest on their laurels. Uh, Rody and Schwartz can't rest on their laurels. None of these people can because the moment I come out with a microcontroller that can run 
you know, a few hundred hertz faster or has a bigger memory, boom, my test equipment's not fast enough to test it properly. You know, the lines on your ruler have to be closer together than the lines on theirs to test them well. And you could really see that pressure on the test and measurement companies now. Another another thing uh, that I think you saw over there when I was going through some of your reports, Alex, um, was more on the test side, but uh, there was also some uh, test equipment out there that was being applied to uh, the drivetrain of electric vehicles. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes. Well, you know, and that's the other side of the coin is how do you get to that next level of performance in, in, in electric vehicles and electronic, and you can do it by smarter batteries, smarter motors, smarter power systems, but then you have to have um, a data acquisition solution, for example. Altac had a data acquisition solution there. You know, they're, they're, they're pushing into the gigahertz space. They're pushing into uh, capturing gigabits of data at gigabit speeds because the events that they're trying to capture and analyze are happening even faster today. But, I mean, I, I, I would imagine half my audience is struggling or half of our audience is struggling with the um, issues of that whole race because um, what we saw a lot, what I saw a lot was uh, in the case of either with data acquisitions, um, they've, there are companies that are out there with uh, faster and smarter sensors. They're putting more sensor conditioning into the sensor because as uh, Rich pointed out, everything's going out to the edge. With that intelligence at the edge, Every subsystem has to be intelligent as well to spread that logic that burden, you know, so that we don't necessarily have to run a massively powerful microcontroller. If your sensors are smart enough, you can get away with a less intelligent microcontroller, for example. Very cool. Well, that's interesting because when I think of Sensors Expo here in the U.S., I, I typically don't think of um, a show that uh, has product being put into an application context. You know, there are all manner of sensors that you can find at Sensors Expo, but they're usually isolated and, you know, here's the ambient light sensor, here's um, maybe a, a random LiDAR sensor, here's some sort of medical sensors, but they're not typically put displayed in an application context. So it's interesting to see the difference there. Yeah, you'll know everything was in an application context. Um, in fact, we got some very nice video. You should check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, like, for example, that ALDAC um, system. These, it, you can really see the, the, the test and sensor system companies rising to this challenge. On the sensor side, putting in more smarts to have more intelligence at the edge. And on the test and measurement side, making sure that the machines are fast enough to capture that data. Because if I'm if I'm using, say, for example, a LoRa wireless transceiver and I've got a field full of them, I need to have a test device that can sort that signal out through this haze of other uh, noise, garbage, and, um, oh, yeah, just the whole sheer aspect of putting together an intelligent wireless system today requires really, really good test and measurement equipment as well, and a lot of people forget that. Well, that goes for anything you're building. You, you need good test equipment for no matter what it is. Well, that's a good point, Rich. Although, although I would, I'd almost give um, anyone who's still designing with incandescent lights, uh, <laughs> they won't, they don't need it. But you're right. Anything that's even remotely intelligent is going to need good test equipment. I don't know the voltmeter to figure out why my light's not working. Uh, well, see, okay, you caught me, Rich. I, 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 I completely forgot. It's the, the basic uh, <laughs> test equipment. It, it is also a te you know, that's true. Voltmeter is still a, still a piece of test equipment, and knowing the right voltage is critical. 
got me. Do you want to explain me. to Brandon and Laura what an incandescent bulb is? It's a little before their time. Oh, I know what an incandescent bulb is. It's one of those things that goes off when you have an idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it actually Alex, goes have... on when you have an idea. Oh, that's very good. Thank you for the correction. Alex, I have a very important question for you, and I'm going to ask you this every time. How is the Chachki Index? Yeah, you know, it wasn't that hot, but I think it has more to do with the fact that the censored industry doesn't realize how cool it is yet, and they're still operating on the, you know, um, not so quite the cool kid environment. So there were a couple of companies that had some cool tchotchkes, but there was there were a lot of bowls of candy out there from companies that could definitely do a better job, and I expect them to step up next time. Oh, well, that's, that sounds disappointing. <laughs> I know. The index at, at Centers Expo and, uh, and the Embedded Technologies Conference was pretty good. We had a lot of... Uh, Development kits there that were being given away, mm -hmm. and actually several different drawings. Uh, we at our booth uh, alone had two or three. Um, and then all around uh, the embedded portion of the show, where I spent a lot of my time, um, it seemed like there were some uh, some pretty cool giveaways going on. So I actually got socks from Brewer Science. <laughs> um, I want to circle back to the Embedded Technologies Conference and talk about the Best in Show Awards. Uh, Rich, did you want to elaborate on that? I would be happy to elaborate on that. We actually had four winners of our Best in Show Awards. They were uh, ST Microelectronics with their STM32H7 Series Dual Core MCU. We had Microchip with their PIC IoTWG Development Board. Maxim Integrated, not to be confused with Maxim because they told me to say Maxim Integrated with their health sensor platform 2.0. And then finally, we had um, Wolf SSL um, with their Wolf SSL product. So uh, it was it was pretty it was exciting. Pretty we had a lot of entries. As always, we do the judging ahead of time, and we let people know at the event that they won. Well, that's very cool, Rich. You know, it's. I, I think it also is, I know it may be beating our own drum, but I do believe that recognizing the companies that are achieving out there is a useful thing because, I mean, if we weren't telling people to check these things out, a lot of some of these companies would have their product overlooked. I agree completely. Very good. Well, fellas, I think that about wraps it up for this week. What do you say? I Sounds say like a plan to wrap me, it boss. <laughs> That sounds like we're in agreement. <laughs> so, Laura, do you want to take us out? Where can people find out more information about uh, embedded computing design? Well, they can always go to our website. We are at www.embedded-computing.com. Um, we will be posting highlights from the show uh, the rest of this week. Um, go and like us on Facebook under Embedded Computing Design. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn under Embedded Computing or join our group, uh, Embedded Computing Design. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Embedded underscore Comp, that's C-O-M-P. And go and like us on Instagram under Embedded underscore Computing. We'll have um, a lot of photos from the show there. And uh, as always, thank you for uh, following us and keeping up on what we're doing. Thank you.